Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. It's a beautiful day out there, and we're grateful to be in it, alive before you, before the world. We'd ask that you would help us through the scriptures this morning. In your son's name, amen. Last week, I, I preached out of Luke, I believe, on the woman, the urban, we'll just say, the urban woman, who was a sinner, who wept over Christ's feet and kissed them and washed them with her tears and etc., etc., anointing Christ. And we talked about the concepts the Lord got across to Simon in that situation. And I think I may have mentioned, but I don't recall if I did, but there's another similar account of a different circumstance. And it's confusing because it's at another Simon's house, not a Pharisee, but a leper. Simon the leper, involving a different woman, Mary, sister of Martha. And we're looking at that this morning in John 12. Now, that, um, as a... um, You sometimes look for little tiny things that help minds grab hold of, oh yeah, there were those two Sundays in a row where two women were all about Jesus' feet. And so you remember the lessons. The lesson last week, I believe, had something to do with because she loved much, she was forgiven much, and because you're forgiven much, you love much. It's a different lesson here. Now, let you know, in John 12, John is how many chapters long? Let's check. 21 chapters long. This is about halfway through the book. Chapter 11, Christ raises Lazarus from the dead. It gets a little dicey because that causes some consternation and some amazement and the Jews, uh, leaders of the Jews start to hunt Jesus and he leaves the area and hides out with his disciples. So chapter 12 is the beginning, the Lazarus raising is the beginning of the passion narrative. All right, you don't think of it that way, but that was the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. The Jews didn't like Jesus very much. And this was just a bridge too far for them. You can't be that amazing. We'll have to kill you. That's what we do to amazing people. That's where we are. The passion narrative in John uh, takes up most of the book. I mean, half the book is, again, about the death and resurrection of Christ. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. This, this Passover is the Passover at which Christ is crucified. So this is a week prior. Oh, like today. Okay. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead 
There they made him supper. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Just meditate on the oddity. You know, they knew people die, they stay dead. We're a little disconcerted. We make movies about people who don't stay dead. Because they eat your brains. You don't sit at table with them. Unless it's Shaun of the Dead. Uh, you don't sit at, sit at table with the guy you raised from the dead. Because the family of the dead guy, although Martha's serving, they're... Okay, I want to tell you how good I feel. I wish it were something more spiritual. I got my taxes done a couple days ago. And you know what that's like. Done. I don't have to look at it again for a year. It's a wonderful feeling. Well, think of that in a big way. You're the sister of this guy who died, and it just broke you up, and you know Jesus Christ, and Jesus raises him in front of a crowd from the dead. And he cares for you, and now he's come back, and he's having dinner with the guy who used to be dead. It's not just disturbing the Jews, the leaders of the Jews. It's not just disturbing the crowds. It's got to be a uniquely disturbed dinner. Because Lazarus, the zombie, is there at the table. Martha's serving, because that's what Martha does. Mary, on the other hand, much like Mary, verse 3, took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. Okay, it's getting weird. I know Evan's happy that he got his taxes done. But if you came over Monday night, and Leslie's at my feet, she's got short hair, so she can't do this anymore, uh, pouring Hugo Boss all over my feet, house stinking. So it's getting a little, uh, it's getting a little Middle Eastern around here. It's getting a little too much. But these are people for whom the taxes are done. Their brother is there at the table chatting with Jesus, and he was dead for four days. Not dead for a few minutes, saw a light at the end of the tunnel, came back. Not that kind. But dead for four days, wrapped up, shoved in a tomb, smelling bad. It's the Middle East. It's a dead body. That's what it does. But Jesus calls him out of the tomb. Mary can't process this in any other way. Like the woman, we don't know her name, last week, who loved much, forgiven much, and adored much because of that. These, both Martha and Mary, are blessed in Christ and are, they can't measure it any other way. Now, we're not into that. We're to, 
you know, some mornings, you know, I go, hey, I own some cologne. What do you know? And you, you put it on. I don't even, nothing, I don't notice the smell of it. I do notice, you guys, guys all notice this. The wife puts something on. She usually dips her face in it, shuts the car door really suddenly, and your, your sinuses explode. We're not used to scents. What? There's bound to be a, a way that our Lord is responded to, whether you're Martha in your service, Lazarus in wanting to be with Christ at table, and Mary pouring perfume all over Jesus Christ. The other Gospels talk about her pouring it on his head. So it's both head and she's anointing him all over. It's a pound of nard. I don't know what nard smells like. Anybody knows? We know. I, I should have looked it up. It's probably like Hugo. Now, this is where the lesson begins. We can expect this. We know the story. Last chapter, dead, raised. Jesus comes back to Bethany, hanging out with the same family. They're a little bit still in a state. You've got to get used to this. When Leslie's mother died... There comes a time, a week or two weeks after your parents die, and you and, it, and you suddenly realize, yeah, they're dead. You, you, you trying to process it, trying to create new categories. This happened to them, and then it unhappened. Okay, they're processing it a big way. But Judas Iscariot, remember him? He shows up later. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, parenthetically, he who was to betray him, you've heard the story, right? You know, Judas Iscariot is not a name in the Bible parents pick up for their kids. They will invent Bible names, but they will never use Judas. It's the same as Jude. Jude, the book of, is the book of Judas, but I think people just, mm, let's not call it Judas said, now I want you to listen to, well, last week, Simon the Pharisee speaks to Christ about this urban woman, fashionable, sinful, all over Jesus' feet, and Simon goes, does he know what kind of woman is touching him? Concerned about cleanness and propriety and, and sinfulness. Judas, and let this be a warning to you, suggests a better ministry application. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Oh, don't you just hate those people? Religious people are some of the best complainers. There's always something. When you do something, I don't care how good it is, there's something else good you didn't do with the money, with the time. There's something good you didn't do. And what kind of person is it who raises that distinction? 
I've heard it said, I was talking to some, maybe it was my daughter-in-law's, <coughs> daughter's-in-law, Manisha, when she was last out. By the way, Michael's coming this afternoon for a couple of days. Um, about women complaining. There's always something. Isn't there, ladies? First, it's about the money. Then he's got a great job. And it's rolling in. And there's always something. And religious people are much like that. Judas Iscariot is much like that. Because you can always see what wasn't done. You don't see what was done. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to take what was put into it. So we're learning a little bit more about Judas. He's not just a Jesus betrayer. He's a bad man. But the th problem is, he was one of the disciples, this bad man. And just like in the church today, we have a lot of bad people. Who aren't measuring because, oh my goodness, what did he put out there? Here is Mary, who's probably a little, you know, little disturbed, loopy, joyful, sorrowing, pound of nard, expensive, waste of money, teenage girl, probably, anointing the rabbi's feet. The whole house is stinking, get everybody's got a headache. Oh, it's much easier to bring up a more holy use, like the poor. You can vote for Bernie Sanders, because of the poor. Or what else? The children, and help the children. Tragically, there are some people who care about the poor. They've got to watch it that they don't always think their ministry, their wants, are always concerned about what other people do with their own. Mary decided to anoint the Lord's feet with a lot of value, poured down the essential drain. And someone who cares for the poor, sometimes even if they're not Judas Iscariot, even if they're not a thief, they're not using it to get ahead, because religion is used by a lot of people to get ahead, You can still have a complaint about somebody else's goodness to somebody. Do you think you really ought to have been doing that? Tell you how to child who having their sixth birthday or something. Come and birthday that they'll actually remember. And say you got your tax return. It was quite a bit. So you, I did not get a tax return. Um, I just got them done. That was enough. But you got this wad of money suddenly in your hands, and you're looking at little Johnny, and he's got a birthday coming up, and so you say, I'm going to throw Johnny the party of all parties. And so all the little friends of Johnny show up, and they're all giving little cowboy hats. I'm thinking this because Graham had a cowboy birthday. I don't know how old you were. Everybody got cowboy hats. I think I was like 16. Yeah, about 16. <laughs> They were about, how old were they, Leslie? Five? Five or six? 
So Wesley O'Brien and Christian, who was a tub of lard at the time, barely squeezing his cowboy hat on. But say you, you, you went to, not just cowboy hats, but you've got chaps and horses and all the kids are galloping around the, the side yard in their, on their Shetland ponies. And there's a famous country western band, you know, making you want to kill yourself, playing on the side of the house. And the other Christian parents are there going, what? what's going on? Said, well, I had the money, and it's his birthday. He's enjoying himself. Somebody's going to say it. Don't you think you shouldn't have spent so much money on your kid? I wanted to. I had it. He's my kid. I want him to be happy. No, you're a complainer. You're a Judas when you can't see that someone else, having the reaction to certain things in religion, can't be undercut, should not be undercut, by these precious Christian pieties, the poor, the children, the, the, the evangelism effort, the missionaries in the field. We got to give more, well, hold it. Jesus said, let her alone. Let her keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me sort of loaded. That Christ, in some way, having him, had his old note on the side, putting Christ back into Christianity. It's not Christ into Christmas, it's Christ back into Christianity. So that I think of Mary's having this reaction. Martha's having this reaction. Lazarus is having this reaction. Because the Lord has been good to them. And Judas is measuring, what do they say about critics? They know the cost of everything but the value of nothing. And that's what Judas is like. Because once you just see the cost, you don't see the value of Jesus Christ, you don't see the value of Lazarus, Judas is at the same table with a zombie and the son of God and he's thinking about how to wrangle religion into getting more money into his wallet people are like that people are like that in the best of churches people are like that in the most famous of ministries and you find out that they're skimming money But there's something about having Christ, something about the way Mary reacts. Something about the way the right people think in these situations. Sometimes the right people, like Peter, when he's asked, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the Blessed. The great confession. Paragraph later, Jesus is going, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. But we want to be the kind of people that have the right reactions to our Lord, that see, Jesus is more important than the poor. And when the great crowd of Jews learned that he was there, because the great crowd is still got a buzz going on, 
from the trip through that healed Lazarus, raised Lazarus from the dead. They came not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Keeps bringing that up. I want you to think about Lazarus. I want you to think about Martha and Mary's response. And when you think about the religious people's always nitpicking about that response. Because Lazarus was raised from the dead and they wanted to see him. People had heard about this and, okay, the guy who did it, but it's still kind of amazing to see the dead guy who's not dead anymore. I mean, it's so important to the crowd, a great crowd, verse 10, so the chief priests planned to put Lazarus also to death. People forget that part of the story. There was a hit taken out on Jesus and Lazarus. Got to make sure that guy stays dead this time. You kill the guy that can raise him. Because, verse 11, on account of him, notice that in red, on account of him, Many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Not only am I warning you this morning about not being the complainant, the person with always another religious task that didn't get done by the goodness of somebody of their own means, did something good for somebody and you have some other place it should have been done. Don't be Judas. But also realizing there's something in Christianity that isn't. And people like having those complaints, like having those ministries, those institutional virtues, institutional pieties they can, they can sling about to passively, aggressively mess with you. You know Jesus Christ. You've been raised from the dead. And on account of you, people are believing in the Christ. That's what your Christian life should be. Your Christian life is not you complaining about somebody else's ministry. Your, the, the, your Christian life is, is you sit at table, a risen individual, with a risen Lord. And like Martha, you either serve, or Lazarus, you, you just enjoy it, or Mary, you, you adore it. But you're going to have that kind of reaction. Ought to, ought to have that kind of reaction. And who you become becomes a point not just to see Jesus, but to see risen people. You'd want someone to come to this church, not because we don't have any programs, okay? Um, what else do we not have? Anything. But we hope we have risen people. People that have passed from death to life. People that their conversion is not them joining this church. Their conversion is not joining Christianity. But their Christianity is because they've been raised from the dead. So the Jews are concerned. Verse 12, the next day, a great crowd who would come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. There was a great crowd that had gone to Bethany. Bethany is just outside of Jerusalem. Great crowd in Jerusalem. 
So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young ass and sat upon it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on an ass's cult. Not cult, cult. Now, in the meantime, Judas, because they're not going to, religious people do not let go. The religious people of the temple did not let go of this idea. They took this to the limit. They killed Jesus Christ. Judas, right after this, you look at the other Gospels, this is where he first negotiates to betray Jesus Christ, right after this. Either because he saw that money wasted, and he wanted to make some, maybe money was on his mind because he saw, what, 300 denarii? Down the tubes. What are we doing here? What kind of religion? If you can't make a lot of money that I can steal from, what kind of religion are we? So he goes off and gets 30 pieces of silver from the priests to betray Jesus Christ before the Last Supper. And so we walk right into the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. This is what Palm Sunday is. I, I didn't do that really on purpose. So I said, well, that's nice that it worked out. Here's Palm, Palm Sunday and the, and the great declaration. But I want you to think, not in terms of, because religion is very, very subtle. It will offer you all kinds of doodads to play with to keep your mind off of Jesus Christ. You'll get palm fronds. You'll get ashes on your forehead. You'll get all sorts of things that will make you feel a work crew to help the poor. Go help the poor. Don't be on a work crew to help the poor for the t-shirt that you get. We help the poor. Have it be motivated by who Jesus Christ is to you. That you're looking, as the crowd looks, at some distance from Christ. This crowd is looking at Christ and Lazarus, and it's all making de degrees or variations of an impression, all the way back to the Jewish leaders who want them both dead. Where are you on that continuum? Because some of the people... There's the ones who want him dead, and Lazarus dead, and then there's Judas who wants to betray him for money. All the way up to the regular Jews. We just want to see this. And are amazed at it. Remember, the same crowd, a week later, is screaming, give us Barabbas. And they're a little bit mixed. They're not entirely sure. His disciples did not understand this. This is a quote from Zechariah, which I have on the side. Let me read that to you. The one that says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. 
His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your captives free from the waterless pit. A big promise in that cult of an ass. Jesus says, this is what I'm doing. I am bringing peace. I'm setting captives free. I am victorious. And somehow we have got to have the kind of, or we have to first measure, what is my opinion of Jesus Christ? Do I think the poor are a better thing for me to be about than Jesus Christ? Then you could just be a bureaucrat in the government or work for the Salvation Army, but we're about Jesus Christ. So that the poor are helped because we love, because we're good, because we know Jesus Christ. Not instead of, not a Judas Iscariot, hey, don't adore Jesus, we can spend the money better over here. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that this had been written of him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see that you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. I want to recommend that you think about your Lord and you think about being raised from the dead. Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, you being raised from the dead. Not just in the next life, but in this life. Because that's how your Christianity is spoken of. Too many churches, we don't have no programs for maybe righteous reasons, but just because we just disorganized. But too many churches want their reputation to be how many programs do they have for what needy group. Not a bad thing. God bless them for doing it. But it's no replacement for having a reputation for being raised from the dead. The people who knew you before have heard your testimony if they didn't know you before. And you always know that you were dead and smelly in the tomb for four days. And Christ raised you. That's what, he's repeating this. He said, the crowd saw this. They bore witness. The reason they went to see him is they'd heard of the sign. And then the Jews are complaining about it. You, you make enemies and you make curious people when the dead are raised. You just make a kind of prissiness if you have a lot of programs that do ethical, cultural, social things. But if you have dead raised people sitting at table with you, and you know there's something different, and when you ask that person, why are you different? He says, well, I met the Lord Jesus Christ, and I was once dead, and now I live. gets people's attention. They're living dead lives. The world's gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. 
Remember I said there's all these people. You're lined up somewhere. Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, Judas, curious, but more curious about Lazarus than they are about Jesus. People who are breaking bottles of expensive perfume over the feet of Jesus Christ and washing his feet with your hair. That's, that's right up there. That's right up close. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I always like that phrase. It introduces some Greeks. We probably heard this bit. John probably talked to these Greeks at some point and found out what that little bit was about. But he doesn't pick it up. They, 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 Philip goes and tells Andrew, and Andrew went with Philip, and they told Jesus. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Just like he said of Mary, she's preparing me for burial. None of the disciples don't know what's going on. You know, huh? But he knows what's going on. He knows that the resurrection of Lazarus, temporary though that will make it, Lazarus is going to die again. But what a miracle. And he's about to die himself, but he's meditating to his disciples on what death means with resurrection. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. It's a great promise. It's basically saying, are you one of that close family, Martha married Lazarus, with Christ at table because you understand that you're facing up to, you're reacting emotionally, you're serving in response to, you're fellowshipping naturally with because the dead have been raised. Not that you believe in the creed that says that Jesus is raised from the dead. That's true. But you, the dead, have been raised. I have here on the side, we're a death cult. You heard me say it before. Death and glory. That's what we're about. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're a resurrection cult. We believe in dead coming back to life. Something we keep for eternal life. We're a Christ cult. We follow this God. Not this religion. This God. This agent, not this committee, this history, this tradition, this mythology. We follow this guy. And this guy, you want to break ointment over the feet of. 
You want to be up there in the kitchen serving the saints because my gosh, my God is at table with me. And you understand the death. You understand the resurrection. You understand the Christ. And you don't take any cheap knockoff to replace what Christ is. Let the good that you do to the poor, let the good you do for children, the good you do to your family, the good you do to your co-workers, the good you do in this world, if it does not come from here where you have died, you have been raised, you have seen Christ. The idea of we would see Jesus has come across to you and you've re recognized that death is necessary and you don't love your life. Right before this, a friend of mine shared this with me the other day. Matter of fact, he has a tattooed on his forearm. Right before, you know, when Lazarus was sick, Jesus had heard that Lazarus was sick. Um, Nick Roser was sharing this with me. He does have a tattoo on his forearm. Thomas, who gets it, and Jesus decides to go up to Jerusalem against the disciples' better advice, uh, up to Bethany and Jerusalem. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. We understand a little bit more positively than Thomas did. We die. We don't hang on to this. Not because the world out there in Moscow, Idaho is throwing rocks at us and burning our homes down. But for all of us, you have to die not in this world because people don't like Christians and we're kind of noble persecuted types. No, we have to die because we're a problem. We really are a problem. This is not, we have become a problem and therefore are killed. We were a problem and God wants us dead. Not the hippies. Not the secular humanists. Whoever it is, not the Nazis. Whoever wants you dead, because you're holy, that's one thing. But God wants you dead because you're rotten. And you need to die. When it says... Uh, in Romans 6, I have here on the side. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. That which is killed is not some noble persecuted Christian. That which is killed is your sinful body. That it might be destroyed so that you could be raised to newness of life and not be enslaved to sin. That's what is amazing for the people standing around looking in from the windows with their nose pressed up to it because they see Jesus and they see you and they know how dead you were and they know that you're alive. And they come over to your house for dinner 
and there's grace and there's patience and there is kindness. As a death cult, we have to be ready to hate our own lives. It has to die. As a resurrection cult, we believe and hope in the eternal life. That's the promise to us. And in Christ, we have to be primarily, as a religion, less about what the institution has handed to us. Less, more about, it's great hearing your prayer requests about people you know, people you care about, people you want to see the gospel reach. Because of what you know the gospel is. But we all have to concentrate on that we have died, we've been raised. We, we ought to be stunned so that when we sing hymns, we sing with the kind of voice that Mary would have had if she were singing while she was dumping perfume on it. You know how it is in a Disney film. You always break into song at those unwarranted moments. This is a warranted moment. You've been raised. And if anyone serves him, the Father will honor him. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very, very grateful for your Son, for our death, his resurrection and ours. We'd ask that we would see the faith that we offer to the world, the great crowd that might be willing to follow your Son if they saw us living lives uh, restored as human beings, lifted up from the dead. We'd ask that you would bless us that way, show our lives to others. We know that we'll have enemies, Lord, but we would like to serve you, follow you, find you, meet you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.